Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I am coming in solo this week again. So I have a few interesting cases to talk about today, some that really grabbed my attention from the news. Here's one that says, Man uses mousetrap to steal checks from a drop box in Whitehaven, MPD says. This was written by the Fox 13 Memphis News staff. A man is wanted after using a mousetrap to steal checks from an apartment complex drop box in Whitehaven, according to the Memphis Police Department. Police said it happened at Hillcrest Apartments around 10 p.m. on September 30th. The man peeped through the latch to see if anything was inside. He then went back to his car, grabbed a mousetrap, and stuck it inside the slot. The man's trap was able to steal two checks from the drop box, police said. MPD said he then walked back to a silver sedan, possibly an infinity. No arrest has been made, but police say the investigation is still ongoing. Anybody with information is encouraged to call Crime Stoppers in this case, but this is certainly an interesting way to steal checks, right? The next article that I saw that was kind of interesting is USA Today featured one by Camille Fine that says makers of Texas Pete hot sauce face lawsuit over product being made in North Carolina. A man has filed a class action lawsuit against Texas Pete hot sauce after he learned the product isn't actually made in Texas. Instead, the product is made in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which the lawsuit claims is false advertising. When California resident Philip White purchased a little bottle of Texas Pete at a Ralph's supermarket in September 2021, he believed it was made in Texas, according to the complaint filed by the Clarkson Law Firm on behalf of White September 11th in Los Angeles Federal Court. The lawsuit said White wouldn't have bought the Louisiana-style hot sauce or would not have paid as much for it if he knew its origin. The complaint alleges the makers knowingly capitalized on consumers' desires to partake in culture and authentic cuisine of one of the most prideful states in America. The hot sauce brand did not immediately respond to requests for comments. On Texas Pete's website, parent company T.W. Gardner Food explains where and why the hot sauce is made in North Carolina. After consulting a marketing advisor, the company's founder, Sam Gardner, landed on Texas Pete because of the state's reputation for spicy cuisine and as a nod to his son's nickname. The current factory, built in 1942 and added on to too many times to count, sits on the original Gardner family home site in northwest Winston-Salem. And the legendary Texas Pete, proud of his cowboy heritage, but also a proud North Carolinian, continues to thrive, the website says. An image of the product's back label states it is manufactured in North Carolina. But the lawsuit claims that a consumer would likely not notice this. The product's label uses distinctly Texan imagery, including the famed white Lone Star from the Texas flag, along with a lassoing cowboy. But despite that, there is surprisingly nothing Texas about them, it says. If a consumer conducted an extremely close review of the product's back labels, nothing would overcome the reasonable impression given by the front label that the products are indeed made in Texas, the complaint alleges. The plaintiffs are asking the court to force T.W. Gardner Foods Company to pay for damages and change its name and branding. 
T.W. Gardner Foods has cheated its way to a market-leading position in the $3 billion hot sauce industry at the expense of law-abiding competitors and consumers nationwide who desire authentic Texas hot sauce and reasonably but incorrectly believe that is what they're getting when they purchase Texas Pete, the complaint says. The complaint argues that the Texas branding ultimately hurts smaller companies in Texas and lawful competitors that are trying to capitalize on the authenticity of their Texas hot sauce. After crafting a flavor profile that is uniquely Texas over several hundred years, it is no surprise that Texas takes great pride in its hot sauce, the complaint says. Well, it should be interesting to see how that one turns out. We will keep you posted as it winds its way through the court system. The main case that I want to talk about today is about Lintel, Washington. This case happened in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It is the capital city of Louisiana on the eastern banks of the Mississippi River. This area has a rich blend of cultures and the parish seat of East Baton Rouge Parish also happens to be the most populous parish in Louisiana and it is the second largest city in Louisiana after New Orleans. The distinct area is historically important, strategic since it was formed on the the first natural bluff upriver from the Gulf of Mexico and the Mississippi Delta. The city sat naturally above the areas prone to seasonal flooding, which allowed for greater agricultural success and allowed settlers to go into that area and not have to worry about the flooding. Early residents also built a levee system to protect against flooding in the low-lying areas and to allow for prosperous settlements of Europeans and Africans who had originally come as slaves. Seven different governments set down roots here. French, British, Spanish, and multiple U.S. territories through its early years. The area is now home to Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge, as part of the nation's only historically black college system. The port in Baton Rouge is also the 10th largest in the U.S., so there is quite a booming economy there. Originally settled by the Muskegon Societies of Native Americans, Spaniards also settled in the area, bringing in the first round of infectious diseases that began wiping out the Native people. Next came the French and the English. French brought with them the name Baton Rouge after the red stick that had marked the boundary between tribal hunting grounds. This boundary stick was a 30-foot high stick painted red and adorned with fish bones. The area quickly grew as a result of steamships and trade and transportation. The U.S. acquired this territory in 1803, increasing the Anglo-American settlement. It was then incorporated in 1817, and by 1846, Baton Rouge had replaced New Orleans as capital because it was considered, quote, less sinful. Through the years, Baton Rouge has grown, particularly in the 50s and 60s, because of the petrochemical development, which allowed for greater prosperity and employment. The city itself is about 79 miles from New Orleans, with a low elevation of about 56 to 62 feet above sea level. The total square mileage is only about 79.15, and 2.1 square miles of that is covered in water. 
The area has humid subtropical weather and makes for mild winters and hot, humid summers. It is also the fifth wettest city in the U.S., surprisingly enough. And unfortunately, it's also an area that is prone to hurricanes. The largest industry in Baton Rouge is Petrochemical, with ExxonMobil, Dow Chemical, and Shell all having major plants here. Hospitals, LSU, and other medical facilities also bring in jobs and funding to the area. And we're going to jump ahead now to the year 2016. Nell Washington lives and works in Baton Rouge. She is 40 years old and she is pregnant. A single mother, she works as an institution specialist at the Brookstown Middle Magnet Academy. Lintel and her twin sister, Sintel, grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana. They were driven, motivated, really felt as though education was important. Lintel's nickname growing up was Puffy. She ended up getting married and divorced. And then she met Darren Lasper at a barbecue and they had a child together. However, this did not last long for Lintel, and they ended up splitting up when Lintel was about eight months pregnant. Friends and family say that she was known to be passionate, well-respected, knowledgeable, kind, and loved by all. She was really dedicated to her career and was even named Teacher of the Year at one point. She closely guarded her reputation and she worked very hard in her career to establish herself and to build a life for her and her young daughter. And this daughter of hers was a miracle child because Lintel believed she was unable to have kids after she'd had a surgery earlier in her life. But this baby came and she was determined to make a good life for it. And she had actually moved to Baton Rouge to start a new life and quickly built her reputation as an exceptional educator. Despite her success in the classroom, Lintel had a hard time finding love until she met the assistant principal at her school. But things had to stay secret between them because Robert Marks, the assistant principal, said that he was going through a divorce and he claimed that they were still sharing their house with each other and each one of them was living on a different floor. But he kind of wanted to keep that quiet until things were finalized with that. So the relationship between Lintel and Robert Marks was a secret. It's a Thursday in the summer of 2016 when a local worker finds a three-year-old girl wandering a parking lot. She is clutching a pillow and although she is dressed, she is dirty and she has blood on her feet. Police are immediately called in to the South Baton Rouge area. This little girl is smart and she seems pretty well-spoken. She's dressed in shorts and a t-shirt and she claims she's been in a car all night long. Police look around and eventually find the car that she had been in and it was a Toyota Corolla and there's a lot of blood on the front seat. The little girl's mother is nowhere to be found. The keys and the purse are still in the car. Everyone who sees this scene, including the tremendous amount of blood in the front seat, believes that something bad had to have happened. They know that Lintel would never have left her little girl alone. In addition, this little girl is telling various people that her mommy had been bleeding from her head and that her mommy went into a lake. 
Police run the plates and discover that the car belongs to Lintel Washington. This is also the three-year-old girl's mother. No one had heard from this woman because she'd failed to show up for class that day. Those who knew her knew that there had to be something very wrong. She was an exceptional mother and she would never leave her little girl alone, and she had never failed to show up for work without calling in before. Now, police began to search for Lintel. She lived a few blocks from where the car was found in a one-bedroom apartment with her three-year-old daughter. Cameras in the area give some good clues and show that at about 11.30 the previous evening, police had seen Lintel's car heading towards her apartment before it stopped and pulled into the parking lot instead. And this was the same parking lot where it was found the following day with a three-year-old girl. Police cannot see who was driving the car when it entered the parking lot. In the meantime, police are able to contact Lintel's twin sister, Sintel, and she gets to Baton Rouge to take care of her sister's little girl. And it's obvious that the little girl is confused because she thinks her auntie is her mom. And of course, these two women were identical twins, so that wouldn't be entirely unusual. But the little girl is checking her mother's head to see if she's okay. And Lintel is still gone as police begin to check out what's going on in her life to try to determine if they can find some clues. They initially go to her ex, Darren, who is the little girl's father, and he has an alibi and they are able to cross him off the suspect list. But then there's Robert Marks, Lintel's hidden boyfriend. This man had a PhD in education and was known to be friendly, educated, warm, and personable. He had persuaded Lintel to date him after she was initially disinterested but the two had quickly developed a covert relationship. Marx, married with children, never brought his wife around and never wore a wedding ring. So he was kind of keeping things very quiet about his personal life, both with his wife and with Lintel. In the meantime, though, he had made himself very available for Lintel, so she had no reason to believe that he was not telling her the truth when he said that he was splitting from his wife. Lintel was in love with him after a while and she made this evident by letting her friends know. And she was just excited to start a future with this educated, intelligent, and driven man. Lintel learned she was pregnant a ways into the relationship with Robert Marks. And she had actually gotten sonograms and had picked a name out and she was planning to build a future with this baby and Robert Marks. She told her boss and she told her friends, and this was all just a short while before she disappeared. But shortly before she went missing, Robert Marks told Lintel he was going out of town for a family reunion. He was actually going on a cruise with his wife. And when pictures showed up on social media, Lintel was furious. This does not look like a couple to her who is headed for divorce or even separation. And Lintel calls him multiple times before actually going to his house to confront him. And of course, he's still gone on this cruise, but she discovers that this is not the two-story home that this man had described himself as sharing with his wife. 
It is actually a trailer and there's obviously not two stories. So clearly he had lied to her and he was not heading for a divorce in the way he wanted her to believe that he was. Lentel was furious when she discovered this and was determined to tell everyone, including Robert Marx's wife. She also believes that she's gonna part ways with her cheating lover and make sure that he pays child support for his child that will soon be born. Robert, in the meantime, gets back from his little cruise with his wife on June 6th, 2016, and he finds his furious girlfriend waiting. She confronts him and asks him to be honest with her. She's basically unsure if she wants to meet him face to face, but ultimately she decides to meet him and sort of have it out with him so she can hear the truth and see in his face the truth. This makes Robert Marks the last person to see Lintel Washington before she disappears. Police pull in Marks and interrogate him, and he claims he has no idea what happened to Lintel or where she is. He does say that he saw her on the previous evening for about 30 minutes. He claims they'd met in her car and talked a little bit. He admits that his wife had not known about the affair and that he had not exactly been honest. But he also says that, you know, there's no reason that I would have to do any harm to this woman. And I actually was at a bar the previous evening called Twin Peaks where he had gone to watch a basketball game. So... Presumably, he has an alibi for the time that Lintel Washington disappeared. At this time, police start extensive searches for Lintel in nearby parishes and areas where there's water. One particular area that they focus on is the Everville Parish. And this is across the Mississippi River from where she lives. They look at cell phone records and see that she has been near this area. And they determine that they're going to conduct this massive search in sugarcane fields with ATVs, dogs, and helicopters. If anyone was gonna hide a body, this would be the ideal place. Lots of little uh, wet nooks and crannies where something could easily be hidden. And because of the heat and humidity, a body would decompose very rapidly in that area. Police search a six mile radius and after an entire day of searching the rural area in June of 2016, they don't find anything in the Eversville Parish on the first day. So they call off the search and people are very disappointed. They really understand that time is of the essence here. And the longer she's out there and gone, if she is dead, the more her body will decompose and the harder it will be to determine the cause of death. But a cell phone tower had initially drawn the police as Lintel's phone had pinged off of it. Multiple reporters were following this case and Lintel's face was repeatedly in the news. On the fifth day after Lintel's disappearance, police get a break. A landowner in Rosedale calls police. This is a nearby area with cane fields, with more sugar cane fields. Police find a body in a drainage ditch. And the area is remote and isolated and they are afraid that they have found until. Evidently, they also believe that she had clearly been killed elsewhere and dumped in this area, that she had not been killed there, and they are able to identify her from dental records. They see that her clothing matched the school camera footage. This was the last day before she disappeared, and they find her sandals, 
One of them is on her body and the other one is in her car. So they're able to match this up as well. And friends and family were absolutely devastated. Everyone wanted immediately to know who had done such a heinous thing to this cherished woman and beloved teacher. Police also find that Lintel's baby was about 22 weeks old and DNA confirmed that the baby belonged to Robert Marks. Lintel had threatened to tell his wife and he was terrified that she was going to expose him. Lintel's death was caused by a single bullet to the head who had done such a horrific thing if Robert hadn't done it because he claimed he had an alibi. Police then go back to Lintel's three-year-old daughter, who in multiple interviews had indicated that Mr. Robbie had hurt her mommy. This little girl also said that Mr. Robbie had left her there in the parking lot after he'd hurt her mommy and made her bleed. Everyone can tell that this little girl had clearly witnessed her mother's murder. She again tells authorities about Mr. Robert and how he hurt her mom, one of Lintel's co-workers is on the scene at that point, and she puts the two and two together because they want to know who this Mr. Robbie is, and they determine that Mr. Robbie is Robert Marks, the assistant principal at the school that Lintel worked at. Forensic interviews then allow the little girl to share her story for a third time while she colors and talks to counselors. She says she heard a bang and that Mr. Robbie put her mommy in the water. The evidence from these interviews with the little girl is very powerful because everything this little girl says is backed up by the evidence later. At the same time, though, Robert Marks denies everything and claims that he had no involvement in Lintel Washington's murder. He says that someone is just trying to set him up. The cell phone records also show irrefutable evidence that Lintel's phone had been with Marks's phone at the nearby Walmart a little after 8 p.m. She was in her car with her little girl in the back, and he had arrived on a motorcycle and gotten into Lintel's car. The phones then traveled together north to the end of the parish near one of the local universities, and interestingly enough, near a local shooting range. The area is secluded, and police believe that this is where Marks shot Lintel in the head because the noise would not have been that noticeable given the close proximity of the shooting range. The two phones stay in this area for about 10 minutes before they travel again to the area where Lintel's body was found in the cane fields. The phones stop there for about 30 minutes. Police believe this is where Marks dumped the body and drove the car with Lintel's daughter and her phone east towards Baton Rouge, and that he had dumped Lintel's cell phone at some point, because that's when it went offline. They believe that he threw it into a lake somewhere. Then, Marx's phone travels alone at around 11 p.m., where he drops the car off on the road near Lintel's apartment. The following morning, Lintel's daughter is found wandering the parking lot. Evidently, Marx had stopped calling Lintel's phone after that, which is very telling, according to the police. He had then called yet another girl, so he was dating a third woman, and asked this woman to pick him up and take him back to his motorcycle. Robert, at that point, was charged with murder and feet aside for Lintel's murder and the murder of her unborn baby. Multiple other charges were also filed at this time. So initially, 
Robert Marx's wife stands by him, claiming that she had no clue that he'd been having any sort of affairs and that she knows her husband would never be involved in something like this. Marx lawyers up and his attorneys immediately get to work on this case. In the meantime, though, Robert Marx's other girlfriend comes forward and tells police everything she knows. He had actually told this one that he was a medical professional and not an assistant principal, and she had no idea that he'd been lying to her too. And they do not believe that she had anything to do with Lintel's murder, even though he had been texting her throughout the night that Lintel died. The girlfriend then places Marx at the scene of Lintel's abandoned car and the daughter around 11 p.m. on the night that Lintel died. Her car is shown on cameras, which further adds proof against Robert Marx. Her story is backed up 100% at that point. Bail is set at about $800,000, and Marx makes bail and gets out of jail, expressing sympathy and claiming he had nothing to do with the murder of Lintel. Robert Marx's attorneys claim the trial is sensationalized and police are only trying to bring a prosperous local man down because of the salacious nature of the case, that he absolutely has nothing to do with it. The defense claims there are no eyewitnesses, no DNA, and no murder weapon, and they question the reliability of a three-year-old claiming that multiple parts of her testimony were incorrect. They ignore the fact that Robert's alibi could not be proven and they ignore cell phone evidence and computer searches. Evidently, May 12th, the day that Lintel had the sonogram, which told her the sex of her baby, his computer searches show guns and bizarre stories about pregnant women who were missing or murdered. The motive was simple, prosecutors believe. Lintel was pregnant and she wanted him to raise the child and be part of a family with her, but clearly Marx did not want to be part of this or anything other than a secret relationship with Lintel. She had threatened via text to tell his wife and she was a threat to him and his current family. The defense called no witnesses and they made no closing arguments. The jury comes back with a verdict of guilty and Marx is sentenced to life in prison without parole. His wife divorced him after discovering his multiple affairs, and he is currently housed at Angola Prison. Evidently, since the case happened and since he was convicted, he has fired his attorneys, hired two more attorneys, and has filed an appeal to get a new trial. In the meantime, though, Lintel's daughter is now nine years old, and she is being raised by her father, Darren. She is shy, but seems as normal as she can be. She likes making TikTok videos, and she is doing well in school, and she remembers her beloved mom through pictures. Very sad case indeed, and it's just unbelievable that an educated man, who is clearly very intelligent, would think that he could get away with something like that. But that little girl just got to praise her incredible strength and her incredible tenacity and in, in surviving all of that and, and helping to bring her mother's killer to justice. Very, very interesting case indeed. We will post all of the articles used on the show today in the show notes. And you can also find pictures from our cases that we feature on the show on our Instagram account. We're at BFD Podcast. 
And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about today's case, you can shoot us an email. We're at bfdpodcast at gmail.com. And please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild cases. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye.